and welcome to the Flourishing Church Podcast. I'm your host, Joy Jones, and we are so excited that you've decided to tune in today. We have an awesome podcast episode in store. We encourage you to share this and invite your family members and friends to tune in. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. We would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on our social media or email us at info at Continuing on with the 20 wonderful series, Pastor Rachel Campbell has an inspiring message for us all. So let's get to it. Good morning, Flourishing Church. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Wonderful. I got to tell you that Israel and I are so excited and expectant about what God is going to do this year. Our hearts are so full of expectation, just looking to the good things that we are about to experience as a church, as a city, as a nation. I walked in here today to record this. You know, during the week we, we record this series and, and we get ready for Sunday and we pray. And um, I was watching the news, and here we are, it's Wednesday, and actually our capital has just been taken over by protesters, and I was watching TV just in awe that we could actually be in America in this place. But at the same time, I know that this is a time like no other for the church to arise. And you have got what it takes. I have got what it takes. As a church, we've got what it takes to overcome these dark days, the hate in the world, the things that might make everyone else feel like they have to shrink back in fear. Can I just encourage you, even before I get into my message, that we are people of God, we are people of faith, and right now, in this season, in this moment in history, this is where it counts. And there have been other years and other decades where being a Christian could just be a coasting safe thing. But can I just encourage you that if you're coasting in 2021, you're going downhill. And God has called us to reach new mountain tops, to meet him in a new and a fresh way. And I just want to encourage your spirit that I'm not just trying to say nice words that make you feel good, but I'm prophesying over us that this is a season where we're going to meet God in a new way. This is going to be a season of new faith, new strength for his people, wisdom, and and, um, the prophetic, I believe, is going to flow like never before. And it's time for the church to just rise up and take her rightful place and be everything that God has called us to be for such a time as this. And I'm just praying that you're as excited as we are. I'm praying that your spirit is stirred. I'm praying that God is beginning to maybe just give you some uh, sneak peeks into what he's doing and that you're not afraid, but you know that this is actually a great day to be alive and it's a great moment for his people in Jesus' name. And this morning, I just want to speak. We're doing our um, series this January on the theme that we've prayed over and given this year, 2020 Wonderful. And I just love this theme because it has so much meaning to it. And that's what I want to preach on today. You know, as our team was praying about, God, what are you speaking to us as a church this year? The word that kept coming back is the word wonder. Wonderful. A year filled with wonder. You know, we hear the word wonderful all the time, but when I think about wonderful and I think about God and I think about his word and every time the word wonderful was used in the Bible, 
it had to do with miracles. It had to do with the supernatural. And I just want to kind of maybe encourage you. When I think of the word wonderful, 2020 wonderful, we use the last number of the year, but also we played on words, but it has so much meaning. It means a year filled with wonder, a year filled with moments that are going to take our breath away because of what God does. And I just feel like we're going to be in a season almost like where the Red Sea is parted, where we see the hand of God moving among our lives like we've never seen it before. This is going to be a season of miracles. You know, that word wonder, I want to really talk about it. I want to read what the word wonder means in the dictionary to get us started, because I want you to be able to think about this word as you're walking through this year. Wonder in the dictionary means this, a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar. I love that word, unfamiliar or inexplainable. That's what I'm expecting God to do this year, a year filled with wonder. In the Old Testament, every time that the word wonder or wonderful was uh, used, it was the root word mopeth. It's a Hebrew word that means a miracle. It means signs. It means a marvel. In the New Testament, when we read about wonderful or wonder, the Greek word is teres. It means a miraculous work. It means a marvelous display of Christ's power. And that's what we are declaring, and that is what we are naming this year that we are on the brink of. What we're walking into is a year filled with the wonder of God. A year where you meet God for yourself face to face. You know, there have been times in my life where I've experienced miracles. And the truth is, miracles have never taken place in my life in good moments. It's in emergency moments where I've experienced miracles. I remember, and we told this story to you, but we had a swimming pool in North Carolina that was 12 feet deep, and our drummer drowned in the deep end of our pool. We began to pray over him, and three different people did CPR on Quincy, and my children were there to watch, and Quincy was gone. His eyes had left the building. His body was filled with water, and we prayed over him. Israel straddled over his body and began to declare life to come back into his body, and water began to come out of all of his nose and his mouth, and we watched Quincy breathe. We watched Quincy wake back up, and it was a real miracle. I can never deny that God doesn't bring people back to life after that moment. I remember when I was horseback riding in junior high, and we accidentally had ended up in the wrong field in Canada, and there was a huge, massive bull, and he was running toward us. My friends at that time didn't even know that I was a Christian because I was trying to be too cool for school, but as that bull started running straight for us, I began to shout out and pray, and I began to rebuke the bull in the name of Jesus. And you should have seen all my friends' faces like, what did you just say? But you know what happened? Right in front of us, that bull stopped, turned around, and started eating grass, and we got out of there. I have lived through moments that I can look back in my life, miracle after miracle, and I'm expecting more this year. I remember one time I was in a toy store in Atlanta, and I think it's really important to talk about the miracles of God. It's really important to recite what God has done that was supernatural to remind us that he is faithful and also to remind us that he's able. But there is a three-year-old little girl and her mom, and she had choked on a little toy. And her mom was carrying her down one of the aisles. I was shopping with my kids, and her mom was carrying her, and she was limp in the mom's arms. And she was, the mom was freaking out and in shock. So she threw the little girl into my arms because I was the first person she saw. And I don't know CPR. I don't know how to help, 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 help 
choking children. And I just began to pray out loud again. I began to cry out that God would strengthen me to be able to help. And immediately, I flipped the little girl over and hit her back, and a little toy came flying out of her mouth. It wasn't because I have this medical expertise. It wasn't because I'm super mom. It, I was absolutely incapable of helping the situation, but I did one thing that others might not have done. I cried out to God in a moment of need, and I saw the wonder of God. Can I just encourage you that if you're feeling afraid of this year, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're disappointed, if you're lacking what you need to survive, if you've lost your job, whatever it might be that you're walking through right now, can I just encourage you that you're in the perfect opportunity to experience 20 wonderful, a year filled with the wonder of God, a year that has miraculous signs and wonders that remind you that your God is for you, he is not against you, and he is going to interrupt our earthly living, and he's going to prove himself strong. That is who God is. It's who he's always been. And I, my prayer is that we experience that in a whole new level this year as people and as a church. So I want to just read you a couple of things and, and, um, and just speak to your heart. And I pray that this really gets um, into your spirit. But I was thinking about the life of Jesus. And you know, Jesus, he came to earth and he walked in signs and wonders. He walked in the wonder of God. He was wonder filled. It was just like 20 wonderful. But Jesus walked this earth doing miracles. He was healing the sick and he was bringing people back to life and he was turning water into wine and he was settling storms. And Jesus walked in signs and wonder. People saw the wonder of God in Jesus's life. And as I begin to look at the miracles and I was praying at the beginning of this year, I started reading and, and realizing that one of the key ingredients to every single one of Jesus's miracles is one thing and it was prayer. The Bible says that Jesus would go away to pray. He would go away to pray before miracles and then once miracles were performed, the life of Jesus, he would return to a sacred place and he would pray. And one of the things that I started really noticing is that the wonder of God, the miracles of God, the key ingredient, the thing that always goes simultaneous with that is prayer. And I want to talk about that this week. I want to talk about the correlation between our prayer lives and miracles. Our prayer lives and the wonder, the wonder-filled life that God has called us to walk in. And, you know, we're, next week we're going into our prayer and fasting. And I just have a real expectation that this prayer and fasting that we're going to be doing together as a church is going to be a super big growth spurt as Christians in our life. And so I want to personally invite you to that. I want to invite you to come and be a part of our prayer and fasting. It actually starts, I've written down the dates because if you know me, you know that I always get the dates wrong, but that's okay. All the girls on the social media team correct me and get it right. So that's good. But we're actually going to be fasting and praying January 14th through the 16th, and that's next Thursday until Saturday. And we're going to be doing special things all throughout the day where we're going to have people getting onto our social media accounts and praying and leading you through prayer. We're going to have different scripture reading. And then every single night, we're going to have worship and prayer online. It's going to be on Facebook Live, and you can join in. And we really encourage you to join in. Then that Saturday night, we're going to end our prayer and fasting with our outdoor worship service. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're just going to consecrate those three days and this next year to God. And I want to talk and I want to preach about the importance of our prayer, prayer and fasting. Why do we fast? 
And I've already talked about this a little bit on social media, but our fasting is never a hunger strike. We don't fast to move the hand of God. God is sovereign. God is able and willing to do miraculous things. But the thing is, when we fast and we begin to pray and we begin to set aside that time, we're actually dethroning our flesh. We're actually starving our flesh and feeding our spirit. We're getting ourselves conditioned to be able to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and what God is doing and, and what God God wants for us. We're in tune with what God wants to do on earth through us. And so we're conditioning our heart, not for God to move, but for us to get into alignment with how he wants to move. And when we fast and pray, Israel and I are going to be doing a complete liquid fast for three days. And the reason why is not because we love not eating. I hate not eating. Both of us get hangry. The first Day, we try to kind of keep clear so that there's no, you know, marital unrest because of being hangry. But we do this every single year. And the reason we do it is because we know how important it is to dethrone King Stomach. When we're hungry, that's actually a really good thing to be able to ignore and say, God, I'm not going to feed my flesh. I'm going to go and feed my spirit. And so every time that it's time to eat, we go and we read the word. We play worship music. We just draw near to the heart of God for three days. We invest into our, our spirit more than we're investing into our flesh. And the Bible shows us through Jesus's life that when we do things like that, we're actually drawing near to the heart of God and prayer always precedes the miracles. Prayer precedes our 20 wonderful, the year full of the wonder of God. I am so excited about it, and I'm just pray that you'll even maybe pray about joining our fasting and praying. And I want to talk to you about prayer today. I want to teach a little bit on what the Bible says about prayer and why it is so important. But I really want to encourage you to not let those three days just go by. If you're not satisfied with where you are, with what's going on in your world, with, you know, if your heart is feeling heavy because there's things that you're unable to fix, that is the perfect time to come before God, sacrifice and push your flesh down and allow your spirit man to begin to be stronger and louder and wiser than your flesh man in the name of Jesus. So the key ingredient to all of the miracles that Jesus performed was prayer. Prayer preceded every one of Jesus' miracles. Jesus prayed before he walked on water. And you can go look this up in the Gospels. Go back and research it and see how Jesus began to pray every time before he operated in miracles. Jesus prayed before he cast out demons. And Jesus prayed before he healed the sick. And my question to you is, why do you think it was so important for our Savior to pray? I don't know if you ever asked that question, but I definitely do. Like, why would a sovereign God, who is omnipotent, who is all-powerful, why does he need my prayers? I feel so small. I feel that my voice really shouldn't be the thing that tips heaven and earth. Have you ever felt like that, if you're honest? And I know if me as a pastor have felt that way, I know that you felt that way. So why did Jesus always go away to pray? Why did Jesus depend on prayer? And I believe that there's uh, quite a few reasons why he did that. But one of the reasons why Jesus went away to pray before he operated in miracles is because he was teaching his disciples how to live when he was gone. Jesus was modeling how we are supposed to live. We're supposed to live a life of prayer. And when we live a life of prayer, we start seeing things change in the supernatural in our life. Jesus knew that his disciples were called to walk in signs and wonders. And because he knew they were called to miracles, he taught them how to pray. 
We see how Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. I just love that. In the New Testament, after Jesus ascended to heaven, after Jesus died on the cross for us, the new church is birthed. It's such a beautiful and pure moment in the church. The New Testament church began to pray. It says, the Bible says that they began to gather and they would pray and they would call out to God. And in the Bible, you can go through different moments where the early church would pray and then they would experience miracles. But Jesus taught them how to do that. Jesus knew they were going to need that the art of knowing that it is prayer that moves the heart of God. It is prayer that makes us like the heart of God. It makes us come into alignment with God's word. And, and that's what the early church was going to need if they were going to walk into the signs and wonders. A year like 2020, wonderful. A year filled with God's wonder. I want to read what the Webster's Dictionary says that a, the word miracle means. Miracle means a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine source. And I don't know about you, but I am in need of the work of a divine source. I need God to move in my life. There are things that are way out of my IQ level. There are things that I can't figure out. There are things that I'm called to walk through that I don't know how to personally navigate on my own. And I'm not going to pretend that I've got all the answers. I feel like we've seen enough of that. I think we've heard enough of man's opinion, all of us, in the year 2020, that it's time to hear a voice from God. It's time to draw near to the heart of God and hear his heart. God, what do you think about this? And I feel like so many times, even as a church, even as a Christian, I begin to try to work things out in my own understanding. And I'm trying to figure out the opinions and the ways of man. And, and God wants us to just stop and fix our eyes back on him and say, God, what do you think about this situation? God, what's your heart? God, how, how is my response supposed to be? Because I know I'm not supposed to be offended. I know I'm not supposed to be afraid. I know I'm not supposed to be fearful. And what's going on in the world right now, the enemy wants us to bite onto those things because he knows it's a trap. He knows that if we're afraid, if we're offended, if we're angry with our brothers and sisters, if there's disunity, that only puts a prison cell around our lives and it makes us begin to live a really small life. And God has big things in store for you. He has big things in store for me. And he has big things in store for all of us in the name of Jesus. But I have asked myself that question, God, if you're all powerful, why do you need me to pray? And I want to talk about just a couple different reasons why it's important for us as Christians to pray. Number one is this. God needs us to pray because he's more interested in the state of our heart than the miracle that needs to happen. God is always more interested in where our heart is. And when we pray, our heart draws close to God. We quiet out the world around us and we begin to rely on him alone. The one reason I want to read, number one, the reason why it's important for you and I to pray, it's important to have prayer as a huge part of our life, is because it humbles us. Prayer humbles us. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Yes, God calls our ways wicked. That's humbling. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. I love that. God never says, Rachel, I'm going to use your wisdom to heal the land. With the way that the world is right now and how hurting people are, we need the wisdom of God. We need to humble ourselves. The Bible says if we humble ourselves and pray, God will heal our land. 
And I think sometimes in our good intentions, we think that it's our job to heal the land. It's our job to heal people who have been hurt. Can I just set you free? Jesus never asked us to heal someone else. He asked us to humble ourselves and pray, and he would move in, and he would heal our land. That's a word from God right now. Sometimes I, I, I hurt people more when I try to help. And I feel like sometimes as Christians, we tie the hands of God when we're trying to do the good work because we're just saying what we feel like would be the best thing to say or maybe the smallness of our own opinion and our own background, and it ends up hurting people. I don't want to be someone who hurts other people. I want to humble myself. I want to say, God, come and do what only you can do. Come and heal the brokenhearted. Come and bind up the wounded, Father. I just pray right now that you heal our land and God can do it. Part of 2020 Wonderful is allowing God to be God and not trying to do it for us. So we've got to be humble enough to pray. You know, personally, I'm the first to say it. My heart is prone to pride. My heart is prone to want to have answers. My heart is prone to want to look compassionate. And in my greatest day of compassion, it's still broken. My compassion is broken. My good ideas are flawed. But when I humble myself, when I kneel before the everlasting Father, mover of heaven and earth, and I just humble myself, then he begins to draw me close to his heart. And I, become to be, I begin to be like Jesus. And that's where the miracle happens. How many of you want to be more like Jesus this year? I'm the first one to say me. Number two, the reason why it's so important for us to pray is this. It softens our heart and heart. And I want to read a scripture verse. This scripture verse is in the New Testament in Mark 6. And I'm going to pick up right after the miracle of the loaves and the fish. Jesus had just performed this miracle. The disciples were there to be a part of all of it. But in Mark 6, 47, it says, Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land, Jesus. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. I bet God's saying that to us right now in the middle of our storms. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. You know, here's the portion of scripture where Jesus had just performed a huge miracle. The disciples come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, these crowds haven't eaten and we don't have any food to give them. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, well, then you feed them. And they said, how will we feed them? So Jesus didn't get mad at the disciples. He went, he found the five loaves, he found the fish, and he did another miracle in front of the disciples, training them that they can walk in these miracles too. So that's where the disciples were. Then Jesus goes out to pray. The disciples take out on a boat. And what happens? There's a storm and they Jesus comes and shows up it's just after this massive miracle Jesus is walking towards them and the Bible says the disciples thought he was a ghost I mean I would hope I hope I'm not going to judge the disciples but I would hope at this point after all these miracles and all the times Jesus has taught them that they would know it was Jesus in the storm but they didn't. So he gets in the boat with them. Jesus didn't get mad at their lack of faith. He didn't turn around and walk away because they didn't know who he was or what he was doing. But of course, Jesus in his compassion and his patience with us and his love, he got in the boat even when they had little faith. 
and he began to do another miracle. He calmed their storm. You know, I, I, I feel like Jesus is on the water right now with us, and the storm is raging. And, I, I, you know, sometimes in the middle of 2020, I have probably mistaken Jesus as a ghost. I didn't see what God was doing because you know why? The Bible gives us a really good key. In verse 52, it, said, it says that the disciples did not understand, for their hearts were hardened. If you get anything out of this message today, this is what I pray you get. In 2020, the enemy came out with an all attack in every single area, and he tried everything he could to harden our hearts. When do our hearts get hard? When we're disappointed. When do our hearts get hard? When we see people we trust and we think should be better leaders failing us or saying wrong things. When we see uh, the, the world falling apart. When you live through a pandemic, it's easy for your heart to get hard. And I want to tell you that when your heart gets hard, you can't have faith. And the disciples were walking with Jesus. Jesus was sitting in the boat with them and they still didn't see. And the Bible gives us this key because their heart was hard. But the Bible also says that, that when we pray and we spend time with God, we begin to soften our heart. Prayer and time spent with God begins to soften the calluses of this world. You know, to get through this last year, you've had to toughen up. You've had to put up, your, put up your best face, and you've had lonely moments, and you've had scary moments, and you've had moments of disappointment. All those things are the ingredients for a hard heart. And we pray to keep our heart soft. God wants us to protect our heart. And there have been moments where I've had to just come into the presence of God, and to be honest with you, there's no words I could pray. I just, my heart was feeling so hard. I was just surviving. So I would turn on worship music and I would begin to allow the river of God to flow through my life. I begin to just, okay, God, I'm going to listen to these words. You are good. You are faithful. You are for me. You are my ever-present help in time of trouble. You hold the world in your hands. I begin to declare all of these things and all of a sudden, guess what happens in the presence of God? He takes our heart of stone and he melts it into a beating heart of flesh. That's what it promises us in Isaiah. So when we pray, we soften our heart so that we can have the heartbeat of Jesus, that we can remember that he does miracles. We don't need to be afraid. It's not a ghost on the water, but it's Jesus coming to save us. Can I just speak that into your heart today? It's not a ghost. It's not something scary on the horizon coming after you, but it's Jesus and he's for you and he's getting in your boat. Wherever your storm is, Jesus is getting in your boat. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have responded well every single time. He's coming. He's going to teach us how to be people who have lives that are filled with wonder. In 2020, wonderful. A year full of the miraculous. A year full of God. That's all I want. I want a year that is filled with God. A year that's filled with his wonder. The signs and wonders that he is for me and he's not against me. The third reason why it's so important for us to pray is this. It keeps us fighting the right enemy. It keeps us fighting the right enemy. Not just fighting everything, but fighting the enemy who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh,
flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Do you know what that verse means? It means although we're living in this world and we're going and living among people, we're not fighting people. There have been things that have come against me and people that have done me wrong, and God has reminded me, it's not the person that you're fighting against, it's the spirit that's coming against you. And so we have to not look at the face and the name and the Facebook page or whatever it is in your life. But no, it's a spirit. And when we recognize it's a spirit, we, be, we can be compassionate even to our enemies. Isn't that awesome? Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare, they are not of the flesh, but of the spirit, having divine power to destroy the strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty, op, uh, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's a big one, too, because... The Bible talks a lot about vain imaginations, and our minds can get away with us. We can begin to think that that person doesn't like us, that person's against us, and, and our minds play tricks on us, and that is not a God thing. And the Bible says that we have to hold our thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. It means we have to run our thoughts through the word of God. We need to be in prayer so that we're not being offended by words that people say. We're not thin-skinned, but we know, hey, you know what? We're on a mission field, and there are going to be people in this world that don't agree with us, that live differently than us, but they're not our enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we have power in the supernatural realm. And so we, when we pray, it causes us to fight the right enemy. In Jesus' name. Number four is this. When we pray, it strengthens us from the inside out. Listen to this. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but these are good scriptures to have in our arsenal so that when we need it, we've got it there. Listen to this. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. If you're weary and you're weak, declare that over yourself. God increases my strength. Even the youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Can I just say, when you come back to Jesus, when you come back in prayer and you humble yourself and you say, God, my hope is in you, he renews your strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Can I just declare over you that 2021 is going to be a year full of the wonder of God. 2020 wonderful, a year filled with miracles, a year filled with signs and wonders from our God, that he is for us and not against us. This is going to be such a good year. I believe there's going to be family members saved. I believe that this church is going to grow. And it's not going to grow just in numbers. It's going to grow in salvations. People walking out of the kingdom of darkness and being renewed into the kingdom of light. People leaving hell and going to heaven. Come on, that's what we exist for. I am believing for marriages that have been under extreme pressure to be restored in the presence of God. I am believing for revival to flow through this house, to flow through my life, to flow through my children, to flow through this city like it has never been before. But it all starts with prayer. The main ingredient to the miracle is always prayer. If Jesus prayed, how important is it for his followers to follow suit and pray? And I just want to encourage you, we're going to end right here, but this is how I want to end it. I want to encourage you because sometimes I think that when we talk about prayer, it's really intimidating. And I just want to tell you that I have been saved 
for a long time. I've been walking with God. And I used to be intimidated of people that had this great prayer life. And, and they just knew how to say the right words. And they had this um, confidence and power. But you know what prayer is? Prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Just like I talk to my kids. Just like I talk to my husband. Just like I want to complain and gossip to people when I'm going through a hard time. Do you know what I've trained myself to do? I don't complain and talk about someone that's hurt me to someone else. I have a conversation with God. He doesn't need a thus thou. He doesn't need you to know a bunch of scripture verses, but he needs you to go to him. God wants to be your friend. He wants to be the one that you go to first. And if you're looking through books for help and you're watching the news and you have all of these different avenues, but you don't go to God, can I just encourage you? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but your life will begin to see more wonders and miracles if you begin to have a conversation with God. So I don't have a prayer closet, and I know a lot of people who do, and I love that so much. I, I You know, there have been seasons where I have those moments that are really intense prayer, and I pray through things, and then there's weeks where we do that. We set aside prayer. But for me, my prayer life is worship and conversation with God. So when I'm driving in the car and I'm like, my daughter just did something and I don't really know how to deal with it. How do I help her? How do I train her spirit? I have a conversation with God about it. That's prayer. When you're driving in your car, turn off the secular music and begin to meditate on the goodness of God and, and tell him, thank him for what he's done. That is what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation with God. Do not, do not settle for intimidation of prayer. I think we do that. We think priests and nuns and pastors can pray, but I don't know how to pray. Just start the conversation. If you have a hard time praying, just talk to God about it. Just say, God, I have a hard time praying. I don't know how to approach you. I don't feel like I'm enough. And that's a humble way to begin your approach to having a conversation with God. And the Bible says that when you, when you seek him, he will answer. When you knock, he'll answer the door. So I just encourage you, maybe if you don't pray right now, five minutes a day, start the conversation. And if you have a hard time with prayer, just tell him about it. He knows already, just be honest. And when you do, you'll start developing an intimacy with a God who you'll soon realize is so for you. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. So can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for this beautiful church. I thank you for all of these people who are pursuing you. They want everything that you have for them. And Lord, I just pray right now that you minister to them. God, I pray right now that this will be a year of wonder, the miracles of God, that they will experience you. They won't hear about you, but they'll experience you in a very real and personal way right now in the name of Jesus. Help us be people who pursue you. God, we humble ourselves. God, we say we need you. We need you. Our world needs you. We don't have the answers, but we're so thankful that you are the creator of heaven and earth and you have every answer. So our confidence is not in what we can do, but it's in who you are, in the name of Jesus. And if right now you might be watching this and you haven't asked Jesus in your heart to be your Lord and Savior, you can't really confidently say that you're a Christian, I'd love to pray for you. And if that's you, if you would just repeat these words after me, we'll pray the sinner's prayer. And the Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And all you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart and, and claim him as your savior. And it says that he will forgive your sins and he will come and be your savior and you'll go to heaven. So repeat these words after me, dear Jesus. Right now, I acknowledge that you are Christ. You are the Lord, the King of all the earth. So I ask you right now, 
to come into my heart. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I can't do this life alone. Will you forgive me of my sins and lead my life? I surrender it all to you. Today, I am a child of God. I am a new creation. I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so excited for you if you've prayed that prayer. And right now, we actually have people that are going to give you some ways that you can connect more if you pray that. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to get you a Bible. We'd love to help you with the next steps. But that is the best decision that you could have ever made in your whole life. Thank you so much for listening to the Flourishing Church Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share with your family members and friends. If you have any prayer requests, please submit them on our app and website so we can be praying with you and for you. For more information on Flourishing Church, please visit flourishing.church. Tune in next week for another amazing podcast episode. We hope you all have a blessed week.